The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Creative Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined today by Pat Corain in what will probably be our last preseason show. Maybe we'll do one uh, next Monday, next Tuesday, something like that. But there's a very real chance that this is our last one uh, before the season. We are wrapping up our best ball exposures. We are uh, doing a bunch of main events. Do we we have a draft tonight? Are We we have a draft tonight, Davis, yeah. I what what time is our draft tonight? Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Okay, so we have a main event draft tonight. I have another main event <laughs> draft tomorrow. Uh, I think that's it for me, though. Uh, our our cadre, the the mega managed team that we do, there are some people who are perhaps agitating for a third team. Uh, so we might I might end up with doing doing another one. I had completely forgotten that we were drafting in a main event tonight. Do we know our draft spot? I don't know our draft spot off the top of my head. I, we do have that information. I can find that. I really, I really hope that it's an early draft spot because, um, you know, what has become painfully obvious as the season has come on is that I am the running back guy definitely in the first round that I am taking specifically Saquon Barkley um, over Diggs, over Adams. Over... Well, you don't need to do that, man. Like, we just got Saquon Barkley and Diggs last second. night. In yeah. the second. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, which I guess let's actually, let's, let's touch on Barkley a little bit. This wasn't on our, our roadmap, but let's do it because I, I just think that like in my projections, oh, we I have just, a, we have a 10 by the way. So right, we're in well, perfect so we're position. Taking, if you want to Barkley taking, or Taylor in the second is what I would be arguing for. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. So the way that I have my projections done, I'm just projecting Barkley to play 17 healthy games. I'm not being like, Maybe they ease him in for a game or two, but I am just projecting a full season workload. And he, despite uh, the Twitter conversations this week about Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley is actually my, just in my projections, he is my second projected running back and full PPR because he is, he's the only guy that can approximate that workload. If you get into the nitty gritty of projecting the Giants, you're not giving Devonte Booker 20% of that team's carries it just it would be one of the most illogical and they've never when Barkley has been healthy and active in the lineup they have never done that there's never been a complimentary running back to him and his first two years they threw him the ball a ton now maybe you could argue uh Galladay being signed uh and Tony being drafted would indicate they'd throw the ball to him a little bit less but Galladay's already banged up Tony's having this awful camp Evan Ingram is injured Darius Slayton is injured. I just, I do not see a way projections wise. No, I'm not saying this is how it's going to play out, but how could you have another running back projected for more points than him other than McCaffrey? Well, I think you could have Kamara projected for more points than him for sure, because we also have to, we should factor in the context of, you know, we don't know what his week one workload is going to be. 
I don't know if he's going to be treated the same as, as he was pre ACL tear. Like, you know, all the stuff you mentioned is true, but he's also never been coming off sure. an ACL tear before. So that risk, um, you know, of sort of his workload changing, uh, I think is real. You also had, you know, the, the receptions that he had with Eli Manning was the, basically like a reception a half more per game than he had with Daniel Jones in 2019. Now he's banged up in 2019. So actually I'm an, encouraged by the idea that like with all of these wide receiver issues with Engram, like slowly it's becoming like everyone else is dropping and Saquon's getting healthier. So I'm getting more and more bullish on his receiving workload, but um, at the same time, it's not like it was with Eli Manning. You know, I don't, I don't think he's going to have the over five receptions per game. I think he'll, he should comfortably get over four, but Kamara, I mean, you guys were talking about it. I think with Eric, right. Where he could have, he could have the most carries of his career. I think he could have an insane amount of receptions. Um, they could just like feature him as, as the weapon in the offense. And he has a good offensive line. Uh, whereas Barkley, could ultimately have the worst offensive line in the league. So uh, bad. Yeah. So, so bad. bad. And Winston has paths to being competent to actually being good. I mean, if Winston corrects the interception issue, he's, he's a good quarterback. Uh, Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback and also runs around a little bit. So, so I don't know. I, I would be, I don't do projections, but I would imagine I would have Kamara ahead of Barkley. So the thing that's hard about projecting Kamara is you would have to give him these absurd touchdown rates. Like you have to give him like a you have to give him like a a four percent touchdown rate or a five percent touchdown rate on his carries because I'm still giving Tony Jones, Latavius Murray, Taysom, mm. and Jameis carries right because Jameis is a little bit more mobile than the a- average quarterback. Taysom Hill is going to get carries even if he's not the starting quarterback. Like you, you can lock that in. So from mm. a, just from now, I have the upside case for Kamara. I'm a hundred percent. Like I I just took Kamara number two overall in a puppy today. I'm I, and if we were picking two or three overall in our main event tonight, I would be, I would be doing the, I'd be doing the same thing. Like I, I, I think that's legit. So in the main event tonight, if, if you were running this solo, what would you be doing? Out At of the 10? 10? Um, given, given that it would be very possible to get JT or Barkley coming around, I would hope to get Tyree kill um, would be, would be the guy that I would want. Um, because then you have the, you know, if, if Mahomes randomly falls, which he, the main event is very different than drafting in the puppy. Mahomes very rarely falls uh, to the, to the fifth round, but I would be, oh, I yeah, would be, yeah. yeah, I would be hoping to, to set that up, but I just prefer to have a chief, right? All, all else things being equal, I would prefer to have a chief over a player for any other team, right? Even the bills who are going to throw all these times, I would still prefer to have a chief because especially thinking about week 17 scenarios, if you want to talk about a team who could just score like seven touchdowns in a game cumulatively as a team, you would pick the chiefs, even ahead of the bills, even ahead of the Cowboys. Like that's just, that's kind of my logic there. Yeah, that makes sense. I like Tyree kill a lot. I, I think because of his profile being this hyper-efficient guy, you know, what there's also the, the idea, like what if he just gets more targets this year than he's ever seen? Uh, and then he just like blows up fantasy. Like there's always that, there's always yeah, that he, element with hell too. If Tyreek gets 170 targets over the course of a season, he will break fantasy football. He will be, he will be, uh, like what Calvin Johnson was, but like, I mean, in a different way, like obviously they play, they're, yeah. they're very different, but like in the same way, especially it's almost because more like Randy Moss or something. 
his catch rate would also be higher in full PPR. Like those guys were like 60% catch rates, but because of the way they use Tyree kill with like the short and intermediate stuff, uh-huh. he'd probably catch like 115 passes as well. Oh my God. Yeah. It would be, it would be nuts. Um, yeah. That, I mean, I'd be really into Hill. I guess the, uh, the other guy that's interesting to me with Barkley is JT. Um, I don't really understand the discount on, either of these guys uh like Barkley I get you know it's like well you know you're gonna start the season slow and everything but all like like I was talking to Edwin Porras from Fantasy Points about Barkley and he's like really into Barkley he's like oh he's like actually got he's needed less time than he's gotten to get back to full health like everything's bullish like he's drafting a a ton so it's not like actually the, the concerns are really coming from people that know stuff about the injury it's more just like a general trepidation among the fantasy it's it's a giant stink it's really what it is and the giants are gonna stink i actually think one of the the biggest tail risks with barkley is the giants are like two and ten and barkley like tweaks his ankle a little bit and he i don't believe they have extended barkley's contract yet so like what is the what what is saquon barkley's logic for being like all right i'm gonna rehab really hard uh, on this two and 10 giants team to come back. And, you know, I don't know who's their Who's their backup quarterback. Colt McCoy probably is going to get a, <laughs> is, is going to have a couple appearances or whoever under Freddie kitchens. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I can't, I, I truly cannot see uh, Joe judge making it through the season. Like that just can't, it can't happen. It is wild uh, in this, uh, this running back article that I had out this, uh, this week on NBC. Um, my scenario for the giants was, uh, and I did, so the articles, I did these upside and downside scenarios for all the early round running backs and the scenario for the giants ended with, you know, we get back on board with Saquon Barkley because we're excited for him in an Eric B offense. Like I, I really think right. even if, if, if everything goes to hell, we're still going to be drafting Bark. We might be drafting Barkley earlier than we did this year because Joe judge is going to be fired. Oh, Barkley, I, I would say, like, if you do the thought exercise of, like, guys who get drafted earlier next year than they do this year, Barkley, I would say, like, maybe even is a favorite to be the number two overall pick next year behind Christian McCaffrey because uh, Dalvin Cook injury stuff, the Saints, I would imagine, are going to be much less of a train wreck offensively. Like, I, I've been saying this on the TV show we do, which is, like, this is going to be the year Alvin Kamara sets his career high in touches and they'll never do it again because they, yeah. they, they, they need to keep him fresh. Well, they don't want him getting tackled 300 times a year, but they just don't have an alternative this season at all. Yeah. I agree with that. Take probably a good time actually in dynasty to, to poke around on, on Barkley with the redraft discount. Cause every the dynasty market gets really like uh, shifted by the gravity of redraft. Um, and cause this is the time of year where every pick is going to crush every, everyone's ADP, you know, reflects perfectly what's going to happen. And, you know, obviously that's not true, but it kind of, it starts to distort the, the dynasty trade market. So, uh, I agree. I think, I think Barkley has a huge, huge chance to be like the one two, but I also think Taylor does too. I mean, if you just look at Taylor, if Taylor takes over some of the Naheem Hines stuff, um, gets like another reception maybe plus a little extra per game and then he's still the same exact awesome running back that we saw last year behind a great offensive line uh but on a team that's gonna lean on him like he's gonna enter his third season at like 23 years old or whatever he could be the 101 you know he's he's an i i I guess and we don't have taylor yet on on a main event team so um 
whereas Barkley, we've been able to get on on three now. So if the Taylor's the guy, I'm starting to like really sweat. Like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm not going to, Jonathan Taylor's going in the second round for a month and I'm not going to have any of them. I mean, I'm if like, you want start, if I'm you want to panic. If you want to take JT at 10, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> All right. All right. I love I love Jonathan Taylor. I love Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is is everything we would look for in uh, a legendary upside season. Like he's a phenomenal physical talent. He's got a great offensive line. The offense has upside if Carson Wentz recaptures anything like his 2017 form and even if he doesn't, I still think he'll mostly be fine and he can get to that four receptions per game threshold pretty easily. For he sure. just is, he's just got to get Nike minds off the field, two extra drives per game or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the thing. Cause you, you don't want to just like say that everyone could be the next, you know, Todd Gurley archetype, Melvin Gordon archetype. Um, because you know, those guys are very rare, but you know, Taylor, I mean, he's that guy. Like that's actually like what we were hoping he would be, you know, when he came in, you know, and then he's been, it's been a pleasant surprise uh, how much receiving he got and how good he was as a receiver. Uh, his, his yards per route run last year is, is like 0.01 better, but it is, you know, technically better than Saquon Barkley's career yards per route run. So he, he was a competent receiver, um, even a plus receiver uh, for a running back. So I'm excited about him too. All right, what, how do you view him between like between Barkley and, and Taylor? uh how do i view jt versus taylor or jt versus barkley yeah so i think that because like a a 90 reception season feels more likely for barkley than it does for jt you have to slightly prefer him but taylor is much better poised to have the insane rushing season to have like the 1700 yards rushing 14 rushing touchdowns like Barkley is going to be kind of doing a budget Christian McCaffrey impression I think Mm -hmm. where the rushing is nice and he gets lots of rushing attempts particularly near the goal line but the the thing that makes him truly great for fantasy is the negative ev offensive plays like the plays that are not actually adding a ton to the offense but that they just do it because they're a bad team and they want to get stats to their star running back like the 2019 carolina panthers were a bad team they were they were not they were not a good football team um and they just were like all right we're gonna get mccaffrey all these records that's like what they set out to do and i basically think that's the the legendary upside scenario for Barkley is that they're a bad team and they just they just want Barkley to get all these numbers to justify drafting him where they drafted him. Yeah, maybe they figure like comeback player of the year award for Barkley saves their jobs or something. Um, yeah, basically, him. yes. Like Gettleman's yeah. like Gettleman's like I'm going to show all the nerds Barkley's going to get 2,300 yards and 20 touchdowns and the nerds won't be able to say anything. The problem is that Gettleman also took Kadarius Tony, so he's going to be calling like, "Hey, we need more dump offs to Barkley and more dump offs to Kadarius Tony." <laughs> There's not going to be any, and he signed Kenny Galladay, um, so it's going to be he's going to have, he has a lot of a lot of people that he has to uh, prove people wrong about, yeah, uh, including Daniel Jones. So, uh, so I, I wanted to I wanted to chat Gus Edwards real quick because. People are starting to plant their flags on being like, he's going to get so many touches. The, the coaching staff was like, oh, he's our type of guy. The, the point, and I made this point on the Swolecast yesterday, which is the, the reason why we were drafting J.K. Dobbins was so high, so high before he got injured, was he is the type of player who might have performed so well that they actually started to change their offense around to throw him the ball, 
to mm-hmm. limit some of Lamar's rushing around the goal line. And I think they like Gus Edwards, but Gus Edwards is not so amazingly talented that they are going to be like entering into the game being like, we got to throw Gus Edwards the ball. We got to get Gus Edwards rushing touchdowns. Now, can he have 1,200 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns now? Like, yeah, for sure. He can have something like something similar to what Mark Ingram did in 2019. If they choose to use him that way, I don't know that they will. I, I prefer throwing the darts on Tyson Williams and Justice Hill as opposed to as opposed to paying market rate for Gus Edwards now. Yeah, I, I kind of did um, a little bit of pushback. I was on Stealing Bananas uh, earlier this week, and I did a little pushback on the um, Gus Edwards stuff just because, like, I think, like, where what you said is correct, and, like, we all are going to get there, but, like, I feel like we just kind of did it a little too fast. Like I wanted to pause and, and say like, hang on, like Gus Edwards, like Gus Edwards ADP is going to climb for a reason. Like he did gain, I think substantially more value. Um, I understand like I, I was, I heard Justin Herzig talking about, you know, how he wasn't really on him as much because of the lack of contingent value, which is true. Like he didn't have I, I still, contingent value. I said but, that before I, the whole time I was saying Gus Edwards, not a big part of my strategy because you know, Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison right. and James Conner have all this contingent value. And I didn't really see it for Gus Edwards. And I certainly, my, my basic take is his role will expand, but not change, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and that's right. Like, and you know, you guys have been proven right about that too, because uh, the ADP hasn't climbed into, you know, the second or third round. But I also think it's also been kind of interesting to see Henderson's value because I think Henderson would have been a guy that we said is the the Tony Pollard and Madison archetype, and his ADP actually hasn't jumped up quite as much either. Um, I was on Gus Edwards a little bit more because I felt like you're getting kind of a one-two combo where you know he's actually going to be usable in the best ball on a best ball team where you know if you don't have that many running backs, whether it's hyper fragile, whether it's zero running back, um, you don't have much capital put in the position he's probably slotting into your lineup, even if Dobbins stays healthy. And then in a situation like this, I do think he's, he could be extremely helpful to those types of teams. Um, even though he's not like a mega smash. So on, on stealing bananas, it's like, let's pause and like, at least consider the Mark Ingram type of outcome, because I think that's, you know, somewhat plausible, but then his ADP is going to get up into the range where we're generally not taking these guys. I mean, if he's going with the Mike Davises and the miles Gaskins, like we're not taking, running backs usually there and he's not an exception to that rule because he doesn't catch passes um, and they're going to have a committee for sure so uh, you know moving on to the dart throws though is a little it's a little tough because I'm not I'm not that excited about the dart throws I mean you've got uh, Williams sometimes falls behind Hill in which case I'll, I would take Williams and then Hill's usually usually behind William or Hill's usually behind Williams so I would take Hill um but I don't love either of them because it's going to be a committee and there aren't very many passes to be had. Uh, so I don't know. They, I don't know what kind become, of value you're getting. They become more contingent value guys, you yeah. know, worse, worse something to happen to Gus. Now, is it possible that one of them gets used in that role that we actually, funnily enough, that we envisioned for Justice Hill in 2019? Because one of my big takes before Ravens wide receivers started dropping like flies this offseason 
was that the Ravens were actually going to be a more pass heavy offense. Like they, you know, they signed Sammy Watkins, they draft Rashad Bateman in the first round, they draft Talon Wallace in the fourth round, though it sounds like Talon Wallace did not have uh, a particularly great um, preseason. He was, he was playing not, not so solid in, in their preseason games, but it feels like, okay, injury to Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin has a hamstring injury. Sammy Watkins misses practice. Rashad Bateman isn't going to be back. Like it feels like maybe even if they were planning on being more pass heavy, that this now is actually just going to kind of revert them to their, you know, ground, ground and pound mentality. So like that, again, some of those assumptions we were making on Dobbins that they would pass more and he would be part of that game mm-hmm. plan might actually have been incorrect to begin with. Yeah. And I mean, with Williams, he's not really a pass catcher. And if he is ahead of Hill, I mean, Justice Hill's the only guy in the backfield that you would expect to be, you know, involved as a pass catcher. And they're certainly not designing stuff for, for a guy that they legitimately, I think we're going to cut. If Dobbins doesn't tear his ACL, I think they cut Justice Hill. That's the way it was. That's the way it was headed. Now, maybe, you know, they're going to try to get him back on the practice squad and, and he ends up being a part of the team down the line or whatever, but uh, it wasn't looking good for Justice Hill. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess Williams is probably the slightly better bet if you could just pick both, you know, if, if both of them are sitting there available in the last round or something, you'd, I, I would go Williams, but um, but he's usually gone first. But I don't know. I'm kind of looking elsewhere right now, which is, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's a mistake because I was in on Gus Edwards when he was the number two here. So I should maybe be in on the, this, the new number two, but it felt like. Yeah, because they're free. Tyson, Tyson and Justice Hill, whoever, they're what, 16th, 17th round in? Like, I guarantee we will probably have a a, uh, a hyper-fragile running back build tonight in our main event. And I guarantee we're going to be getting to the spot where, like, once Gio and James White go, I'm going to be like, okay, it's time to take Tyson or Justice. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably right. It's like, and and maybe if we just need, maybe it's one of those things where, I'm just not there yet because it just happened and I didn't, I don't have like two months to kind of look up the stats on Williams and talk, tell myself a story about how he's going to merge as the clear number two. And you know, this, this team runs a committee there's value here. Yeah. So all that stuff hasn't like, like fully finished forming in my brain yet. So it, you're probably right. You, we should be taking these guys, but it just, it doesn't feel, I mean, this is, fun. <laughs> this is actually your point. You, I don't remember if you made this on ship chasing or good football show, but this is actually your point, which is we have such a hard time envisioning the next thing happening. So JK Dobbins right. get JK Dobbins gets injured and we all start gobbling up Gus Edwards. Right. But then the next thing happening would be either Gus, Gus Edwards, Edwards or not playing well. Right. I, I am not, I'm not ruling that out by the way. Like I players like Gus Edwards who are really efficient on limited touches as a secondary player can kind of be found out when they are counted on for 70% snap shares or whatever, not even found out, but he could just run bad. Right. I've, I've literally seen this happen. where like running back to get a key carry in a key spot, like a third and one that the team really needs. And he makes the wrong cut and loses three yards and the, the coaches are pissed. They're like, you, yeah. you should, you should know, you should know better than that. And Tyson comes in the next drive, breaks a tackle like, and, and scores a 25 yard touchdown or something. And like, you're like, why would I, I, that's such a, a random thing. Why would I even think about that? But those things happen all the time with running backs, especially when, I mean, they paid Gus, but it's not like he's what, like $5 million a year or something like that. The, the contract he signed, like, it's not like, 
It's not like yeah. Gus Edwards is an entrenched part of this team that absolutely cannot be changed in any way. Well, also, I mean, they they envisioned a role for Gus Edwards of being the number two guy. So if like Tyson Williams is crushing, then in some ways it like the status quo is that Gus Edwards goes back to being the number two guy and they put Williams into the lead role that they had established for someone else anyway. Um, Which we see teams do. I mean, literally name an example of starting running back gets hurt second running back stays in his role. The third string guy comes in, in the more prominent role. Like I, how many times does this happen in DFS where running back X gets injured? We all play running back Y then running back Z comes in and running back yeah. Y stayed in the same role. That's, that's so true. I, so with Williams, like, cause Tyson Williams doesn't really check a lot of boxes for us as a prospect. He, well, he checks no Justice, boxes. Well, he's big. Yeah. He's big. He's big. And then Justice Hill chucks like all the boxes, except he's a little smaller um, and except he was about to get cut. So like, how do you think that part of it through? I mean, I, it's very hard for me to be objective because I was like the lead bag pumper for Justice Hill going in like the seventh round of the main event his rookie year. Like I, I actually distinctly remember having Justice Hill in the queue in the seventh round of a main event and him getting sniped for me and being like, this is miserable. Your, your pro justice points would be in each of their last two playoff losses to the bills and to the Titans, they abandoned Gus Edwards and they brought in justice Hill to start playing on passing downs in those losses. I think he played like 15 snaps in the, the bills loss and like uh, 12 snaps in the Titans loss because they just did not trust Justice Hill or Mark Ingram in those roles. So if you wanted to be bullish, uh, you would say that. And then the other thing, if you want to be bullish, is running back performance is basically entirely related to team performance. And right, the, whoever the Ravens running back is, is going to perform well for fantasy. So really all he needs is an opportunity. Like, and that's basically it. Yeah. Right. But I mean, the opportunity might go to Williams first, so... I, I think uh, at this point it is. I, I would say it's an eighty percent probability to me that that Tyson Williams is the running back too in Week One when the Ravens take the field. I agree. I think it might even be higher than that. Yeah. Uh, it seems pretty clear. I guess the the question is like, is he any good? But we don't know if Justice Hill's good. We took we got we got Justice Hill in the eight. Uh, sorry, in the sixteenth round of a main event on Sunday. Um, but Tyson Hill was available, I think, around that point in the one we did with Sean last night, um, which surprises me. I thought he was going to get steamed. So I guess that as I'm thinking through this, too, it's been like sometimes, you know, it's, it's lazy, but like there's there's so much stuff with this where, you know, your, your brain takes shortcuts sometimes. And one of those is Tyson, Tyson Hill is going to go before I want to take him so I don't have to worry about it. And then he doesn't. Now he's sitting there and I'm like, ah, oh, crap, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta come up with a, with a plan here because he's actually not that expensive. Um, I, I also think by the way, the anchor effect on all of us remembering justice Hill as a prospect is making Tyson a little bit too cheap. Yeah. He won the 14th round, the fourteen oh five last night, which, which that sounds bad from an underdog perspective, but actually from a main event, that's pretty cheap. Yeah, he went after Justice Hill, who went to 1401. Uh, Jarek McKinnon's gone. Tevin Coleman, Rashad Penny's gone. Kenneth Gainwell went. Philip Lindsay. So, like, he's he's with the guys he's supposed to be with, and even after some of them that, you know, maybe you would take him over. 
uh, just because the way FFPC goes, once you get into the 14th round, it starts getting, it's basically like the last like two rounds of underdog plus a bunch of guys who go undrafted or like the 14th, 15th round of FFPC. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think probably I, I drafted a bunch of Justice Hill the day J.K. Dobbins got injured. I drafted him like a bunch in the 18th round. And now I am transitioning to taking Tyson. I have, uh, a, I mean, I mean, I'll be doing best ball drafts up until kickoff on, yeah. on Thursday, probably. So I have more time to, to even out those exposures. And the, this is, this is another thing we wanted to make sure to talk about the textures of the later rounds in drafts right now have really changed because we've seen a bunch of role solidity with cuts and, and trades and everything. Um, so like guys who I was loving to take, like even, and even guys like, you know, Donald Parham, Donovan Peoples Jones, like those guys are like 14, like Peoples Jones, you got to take him in like the 14th now and Parham, you can't get in the 18th anymore. I tried to backdoor stack Baker Mayfield the other day and I did get him with, with Hooper, but I was like, I'll take, I'll take Baker and then I'll take Peoples Jones and then I'll take Hooper. So I took Baker and then I put Hooper in the queue and then I went to look Peoples. He was gone. Jones had gone like two rounds earlier. I was like, I probably need to search for Jones before I do the backdoor stack. Going you got to put the star when you do, you, when you do the backdoor yeah. stack, you got a star or else you're well, going to mess I, it up. He had gone before Baker. <laughs> I oh. just I hadn't, I hadn't thought to even check that, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's steamed right now. So uh, it, it has changed a lot in the last rounds. The wide receivers have um, some of them, you know, are, are cut you know colin johnson was a guy i was taking he's been cut um replaced by uh tyron johnson with you know that that was a little bit of a suck out for me since i was taking <laughs> some of him early um and then colin johnson lands on the giants which is a big old stinker oh my god dude how miserable is that like why are so they miserable. keeping why are they keeping jamal agnew over colin johnson i don't know man uh, it's it's real real weird they cut so many wide receivers dude i was like they have Who's five that's it yeah they uh philip dorsett they cut laquan treadwell they cut which obviously you're gonna cut laquan treadwell but i was like who does this even leave i was like oh Farrell cooper they must be keeping for specialty you know they cut him um they cut everybody it's it's crazy but yeah the the running backs though in the last rounds and i maybe this is just like me tricking myself in august and september early september before the season starts of you know, the idea that these guys are going to be, have any value at all or are going to be useful, but they feel kind of useful. Like Darrington Evans is now available in the last round again. Useful. Useful. Quadri Allison is available like in every single draft. If you want to take him in best ball mania, like every single draft, you can take him in the 18th round. Ty Johnson's still available in the 17th, 18th round. Sometimes he goes, like if you're planning to take him in the 18th round, you won't always get him, but he's there a lot. Justin Jackson's available. Um, like there's a ton. I mean, then if you want to talk about like the straight handcuffs, like the, P. Ryan, the Chargers like, didn't cut any of the running backs, right? Roundtree, right. Kelly, and Jackson are all on the roster. That is a freaking headache, dude. That is a headache. It is a bit of a headache. That's the one where I'm like, if I, I'm not really taking Jackson so much, but because I can take Allison, I can take Gainwell's usually there. You, he sometimes goes more like 16, 17, but you can mix him in in those last few rounds pretty easily. Um, I don't know. It's like, I've actually kind of been just leaning on that where if I have um, three running backs through like, you know, round 13 or something, I'm usually just going, I might've taken, I might have made this a four running back build. 
but if I can get Quadri Allison and Ty Johnson or Kenneth Gainwell and Quadri Allison or, you know, or, you know, Tyson Williams now, um, or, or Darrington Evans. I mean, Darrington Evans at one point was going up into like the 13th, 14th round. Actually good things have happened. So I know he's banged up, but like Brian Hill goes to IR. Javian Hawkins gets cut. Like actually there's like really no other guy it can be besides Darrington Evans right now if they have any kind of pass catching D- role. Dante, now Dante Foreman did get cut, so he's sitting out there. If you really, if you wanted to be, if you wanted to be a Darrington Evans bear, they could bring back Dante Foreman. But he's not even. I mean, it's more like I, I think maybe Jeremy McNichols is still there, so like that's who the other because the pass yeah. catching role is what you're hoping for with him. And then yeah, maybe if Henry goes down, they resign Foreman, and it's kind of like a three-way committee or something and you don't get quite the contingent value you thought but i still think evans would be quite valuable and well worth an 18th round pick in that scenario um, so i don't know it just feels like it actually feels like a little bit rich in the 17th 18th round i mean just by terms of ffpc adp as we talked about like these guys go in the 13th round of the 14th well round. that's the that's the natural evolution of what's happened with the wide receiver stuff right if the wide receiver 87 is going in the 14th round you know, there are, there are a finite number of draft picks, what they're 216 picks in an underdog draft. So that just by nature, that means that the running backs are going to be pushed down that running backs you like are going to be available there with this. Like if, you know, if Dwayne Eskridge is going in the 17th round, that means that there are going to be running backs in the 18th round that you like. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I've been trying, I've actually been building that into, you know, some of the builds. It's like, I always have that at the back of my mind. Like, I, I sometimes like going like I did one that was, you know, like Camara Swift, Naheem Hines and Chuba, and then I'm done. But like, if I get, but that Chuba pick, right. Which I, I like him, but he's a little bit more expensive. I'll take that pick and turn it into two stabs, you know, a, a Quadri and a Darrington. Um, and it's basically like, I took a guy that I was going to spend like $4 on and I just spent two $1 guys instead. And then I, you know, can have a little extra money to play around with, with wide receiver, or whatever, if you think about it, kind of like an auction. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, like that's, that's been, but I, but the other thing is I'm like, we, we do this every year to some extent. It's not quite as bad as, as how we usually do things with tight end. Although we did, I'm a little bit proud of the fantasy industry this year that we didn't. Yeah. For, we, we end. all, we just all have, we just all have said tight end dies after TJ Hawkinson and you can take these. Well, the Logan Thomas thing. Look, I, I need this to officially be on audio somewhere so that I can clip it if I need to. Logan Thomas is 2021 Gary Barnage. He he's gonna Thank have you. like he's gonna have like 400 yards and three touchdowns. It's it's the worst ADP in the market right now. Logan Thomas. Thank you. And I've I went on record last night with Sean and Ben and uh, you know Pete Pete threw it to me. I asked them like, hey, why do you guys like Logan Thomas so much? Pete threw it back to me. And I just went, I just made the, the bear case. Like he was bad last year. He was bad. He was bad at football. He happened to be in the right place at the right time. He didn't draw targets at a high rate and his yards per target sucked. But other than that, like, well, like, why are we betting on this guy to take a, uh, another step forward? When the other thing is he ran all the routes last year. Like his ceiling was, was maxed already last year. Alex Smith, Alex Smith is throwing a bunch of short passes in blowout losses and logan thomas is running literally every route there is to run like how how does he not score less points the only through, way is if he if, through if he's 10 good, we- but he doesn't he's not good through 10 weeks of the season 
Uh, Rich told me this the other day. I did that main event with, with Reeves and Thorman. Uh, through 10 weeks of the season, he had like 415 yards and three touchdowns, and he ran super hot at the end. Uh, but you're right. He was running. He was running all the routes, and he had no competition for targets. I mean, they were playing guys like Cam Sims. Dontrell Inman was out there at one point. They add Inman. Curtis Samuel. They add I literally Curtis couldn't Samuel. remember who was out there last it year. It was Inman. So they add <laughs> Curtis Samuel who we know Ron Riviere likes, like he specifically brought him in. They add Adam Humphreys. You can make fun of Adam Humphreys all you want, but he is direct target competition for Logan Thomas because they're going to run those same type of short and intermediate routes with, you know, absolutely no speed or explosion at all. Then we think they're probably going to throw the ball to Gibson more. They're not going to stop playing JD McKissick entirely. Like, I just, I truly like, it is the worst ADP on the market. Like I, it feels like he's a favorite to finish like tight end 19 or something. Yeah. Also my blowout losses point was dumb because they, they weren't in blowout losses, but they were throwing a ton. They were, they were throwing as if they were in blowout losses with the, uh, with the Alex Smith. Uh, I mean that the dump off Alex Smith thing is, is uh, that's a, that's a real effect. <laughs> that that yes. guy throws, throws a lot and throws short. Yeah, he throws behind. He like literally is the worst man in the history of throwing uh, in front of the sticks on third downs. Yeah, yeah, he loves it. He thinks it's he thinks it's awesome. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm really happy to hear you're you're not on him. Uh, I don't want to be like I don't want to be betting on expensive situation based players at all but especially like tight end because we see this happen all the time like kind of the perfect storm tight end I mean Gary Barnage is the perfect example but there's also Brandon Myers you know there's like a bunch of these I mean there's like a million of these guys who had one season volume spikes on bad teams because of a decimated group of wide receivers like it just it it will it happens Jake Ballard was another guy there's a ton of these guys yeah there's a ton of them like we were worried Remember, I mean, this was a clear mistake, but we were worried Darren Waller might be one of these guys because there's there's so many of them that even Darren Waller 2019, who was highly efficient, we were like, I don't know. I didn't really know of them before this. And this yeah, they bring in they bring it. in rugs and Brian Edwards. Right? right. Right. How does he get all the targets? I mean, that sounds hilarious in retrospect, but but yeah. So, I mean, it's not that Logan Thomas like couldn't prove us wrong like Waller did, but there was a reason that we weren't all in last year on Darren Waller even though we, we should have been much more bullish. And now I feel like we've forgotten that reason with Logan Thomas. Like this is the Logan Thomas thing burns us like 90% of the time. It's just like it happened that we, that it didn't last year. And now people, I think have forgotten that lesson. Um, I'm not, I, I basically have done a full fate of Logan Thomas. I probably have him. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to check and see if I have any of him on, uh, on underdog. I have, I, have, I, zero percent i've taken him in two drafts thirty dollars in entry fees that means i took him in 30, one that's yeah. what i have i have thirty dollars in entry fees on him one best yeah. mania one puppy one yeah. puppy and i bet and- i bet it was an auto pick i bet i didn't pick him on purpose i bet <laughs> i literally bet i was on the stairmaster and and trying to click through and i bet he got auto picked <laughs> yeah i don't know i i probably i probably made a tiny tiny little hedge uh is what i'm guessing i did but but yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at on Thomas. I mean, the thing with Thomas too is like if you just want to bet on, you know, a team that might have more pass attempts, like more pass attempts than last year, maybe. Um, and you know, is the guy that uh that could kind of fall into some volume. Tyler Croft comes to mind. Ben just last night said he's uh his pick to be the next Logan Thomas. So that was exciting. Uh 
but like he's a guy that's like okay there's no one else he, he might run all the tight end routes they they have ryan griffin again now but they literally just cut him so you know like the play on logan thomas where it's like bad tight end good situation is often a, a free play like there are those guys later in the draft that you can find well, it's um, the, the bad tight end good situation is if one of the Dallas tight ends can secure like oh, a yeah. 70% snap share, but it looks like it looks like they're going to split time right now, which would render both of them useless. But if one or the other clearly wins that job, that's the guy who just has like yeah. 500 yards, but like eight touchdowns and kind of like what Tunyon did last year, actually. Yeah, I think another guy might be Austin Hooper um, if they just commit to him. He's just boring old guy value. Like he just, he's, he's the same play as Ertz Gerald, to be honest. Yeah, that's probably true because I also am attracted to, to drafting Austin Hooper. So, uh, you know, just, just by that fact alone, uh, he's probably a pretty similar play to, to Ertz Gerald. I don't know. It's like the team wants to use the tight end. He's, you know, kind of clearly the guy. Clearly the talking top guy. About yeah, they're talking about actually him running more routes than last year and the other guys running less, um, which would be exciting. Uh, and then the team also, we were excited about the Browns maybe being pass heavier like they were, you know, at times last year. And, and you know, with, once you take all the weather games out and stuff, it's like, hang on, this team actually might have some sneaky upside in terms of passing volume. Um, and he's the cheapest way to play that now that Donovan Peoples-Jones has been steamed. So, um like, I, I don't know, like Austin Hooper at cost versus Logan Thomas at cost. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like Hooper. I mean, my my most drafted tight ends are are nothing but but dusty guys. Uh, Ertz, I guess Parham is not dusty. Parham is above dust. But then, you know, Higby looking at the dust. look, looking at these looking at these Evan Ingram exposures. Not great. <laughs> not great on the Evan Ingram. I actually don't have a ton of Ingram, which surprises me. I have three uh, percent Ingram. Cole Komet is a guy that Sean did get me. Cole Komet was also I'm, pretty I'm, bad I'm last year. Komet. Yeah, I, I think Komet, because if you're if you're saying like Komet was bad, but he's going to be good this year, I'm listening because, you know, he was a pretty good prospect. He was a rookie last year. He got on the field a lot, which is rare for a rookie. And he could see a massive quarterback upgrade in Justin Fields. Um, it's also really fun. Like he's a cheap way. Like if you didn't get fields, certainly if you did get fields, he's like, I always want to get commit if I got fields. Eric Meinfor was talking about that too, which, which helped, you know, yeah. emphasize that. Well, and that's but, the, that's the only way to backdoor. The only way to backdoor stack fields way. is, is commit or, or Damian Williams, you know, like just play for the two receiving touchdown Damian Williams game, which I do pretty frequently. Cause I don't, I don't really like take, Taking Darnell Mooney over Will Fuller just it just feels like it's it's like I I literally can't I I truly I cannot take Darnell Mooney over Will Fuller I I I will have Allen Robinson and then I'll pass on Darnell Mooney like I can't do it I can't I might be wrong and I I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry if I'm wrong but like this is this is like to me like listen to this (laughs) once Darnell Mooney crushes I'm gonna come back and listen I'm sorry but he was going ahead of Will Fuller man what did you want me to do yeah I just made a, a dynasty trade for Will Fuller, actually, in one of these FFPC um, Superflex best balls. I traded Dallas Goddard and Gerald Everett for Will Fuller. Dallas Goddard and Gerald Everett. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I had I had Kyle Pitts, Hunter Henry, and um, Albert O on this team. 
So uh, the, the tight ends were completely expendable. Like I, like Dallas yeah. Goddard would never be hitting my lineup and I needed wide receivers. I think I probably lose that trade like on in FFPC scoring value or whatever, but I'm not a, a big Goddard bull either though. I'm not either. I haven't taken him a bunch. I think I also, I like Everett, but there's also, you know, that hope that I was talking about with the, with the Barkley point, I think is very, very true with the tight ends and it's happening. I think more with Everett. it's happening more with Comet. My Comet exposure has increased as we've lost Evan Ingram and Irv Smith, you know, like this is something actually, I think is kind of an interesting dynamic and points to maybe some inefficiencies in the market as a whole, where like you see Travis Etienne goes down and then Javante Williams's ADP goes up, goes up. That didn't affect Javante Williams situation in any way, but, but it it's created just like, a, we need the cr- guy. Well, it created a vacuum of like exactly. young rookie running back uh, who you can wish cast on a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It created yeah, a vacuum. But I, but I do think it's a little, doesn't that kind of expose us a little bit that we're like, okay, we need, and by us, I don't mean any part of the fantasy community, but just like whole thing, the whole exercise of like, you're just sort of, you're like, I need this type of guy. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take that's, whoever fits that's that That's actually the right way to draft though. That's actually the, like, yes, yes. You're just drafting roles and archetypes. Like if you think, you know, anything specific about who's better between Javante Williams or Travis Etienne, you're wrong. You, you are, you, or you're at least like you're guessing. So, but then like, I guess is the, is the lesson of that. Then we should have just been hammering Javante Williams when he was, you know, when Travis Etienne was healthy or like, it, it is odd that's that, probably that something happens lesson. that doesn't affect anyone and then there then the other guys ADP increases. That's probably the lesson, though it did seem that ETN had a more projectable receiving role. Like that was that was kind of the difference, is that ETN seemed like a favorite to catch more passes. Right. But there is like a contingency value thing here happening that it doesn't yeah. make it's in a lot, it's a it's a market-based contingency value of like you know, if there's a late round tight end that's going behind all the other guys like Zach Ertz, if uh, if everyone else starts to go down, his ADP is going to increase by just the nature of the people needing this, tight ends. This Zach Ertz pump is unbelievable. <laughs> it literally took until 10 days before the season started before people realized that Zach Ertz is the starting tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. Like literally, it's like people woke up on August 28th and they were like, <laughs> Oh, it's like uh, it's like the moon meme, you know, where the guy's holding the gun. Like, oh, Zach Ertz is the starting tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> always always has, has been. been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy holding the gun. I'm literally the guy. And I, I, it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like I've been at this, like, you know, all night Zach Ertz, like, uh, rave. And yeah. you guys are finally showing up. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm like I, headed home. I've been there. I've been there, dude. He is my most owned tight end. Uh, all right, I love it. He's actually my second most. I have Cole Komet recently passed him uh, during that the pump. I I had it flipping. I had Cole Komet was my Cole Komet was my most, and and Zach Ertz just flipping him. Oh wow! All right. Uh, well, last night on on uh, our our stream with with Sean and Ben, we got uh we got our first Zach Ertz share in the main event. So pretty excited. How pretty excited how mad that. are people going to be when he's the tight end eight? Like how mad? I, I, they shouldn't be mad at all because this is the way tight end works. There's like, a, it's a position of essentially like offensive linemen. And then there's some guys who can be an offensive lineman who, who get, who can actually get open, which is like a pretty difficult skill. Like out, outside of quarterback, it might be the most difficult position, you know, cause you don't see like, 
it's not the most difficult position if you're Tyler Conklin, but it might be the most difficult position to be, you know, Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or even like prime Zach Ertz. And now that he's not prime, like he's still got a skill that almost no one really has, you know, like just, just getting open, like Evan Ingram, by the way, I would put in this mix. Like Evan Ingram can get, that's why I was drafting him even in that awful ecosystem. That's why I was pumping him. Right. Cause he can draw targets. Now those targets, it's like with an eight out of like six, but um, well, I then part of that is Jason Garrett. He could draw targets deeper, uh, but you know, the way he's going to be used and stuff, he's going to have an eight out of, you know, maybe six to eight. And you know, it's not as impressive as a guy who can draw targets deep downfield, obviously, but just to be able to draw targets at the tight end position, I think is pretty rare. Uh, that's like why Mark Andrews is so interesting to me. Cause he's, he gets targeted at such a high rate. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, by the way, hasn't really even shown that yet. I expect yep. him to, I'm, I know on TJ Hawkinson, uh, I've been drafting him a lot. Uh, we have him in the main event. Uh, and he, you know, he's had this incredible camp. There's really no one else to throw to. It all lines up for him. But to, to this point, TJ Hawkinson has not shown that he is one of those tight ends who can actually draw targets at a very high rate. Like that's how rare it is. We're already basically fully in on a guy who's yet to show like the one thing we need because it's so rare uh so anyway if a guy had that at a certain point and like he's not and he's going to play in the year 2021 (laughs) i'm just i'm just gonna be in i'm just gonna be in if he's free yeah no i am uh i'm 100 with you uh all right we're we're gonna wrap up here pump the ship chasing bags. Uh, I'm excited to draft with you guys tonight. I'm glad that we did the show this morning so that I remembered knew, uh, knew yeah, to so, show up tonight. So that I knew to show up. I'm I'm pumped, dude. It's uh we're, it's uh it's main season. Yeah, dude. I'm I'm really excited. Uh, I think you know the ten spot we've taken. We've had we've had the ten once. We've had the eleven three times, and we've had the nine once. So very very familiar with kind of the textures of the board here. Um, and you can sometimes get pretty lucky with with who falls to you. It can sometimes be a frustrating experience. So we'll see how this one goes. Uh, but, you know, for for the way you want to talk us into running backs, I think you'll have a few different guys you can try to talk us into. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love I love being I love being the boomer who comes on ship chasing. Like I really enjoy I really which is, is so funny because, you know, when I'm talking with like Leone and stuff, he's like, you're crazy. Like, how can you not take these running backs? And then I come in with you guys and you're like, we're not taking running backs, dude. It's so good. Um, well, ben last right. night tried to he tried to call Jarvis Landry one of Sean's guys. I was like, that's one of Leone's guys. I don't care how much Sean yes. likes Jarvis Landry. That's a Leone guy. Mike Davis. Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, just the the most boring, like gonna gonna pay off, but never make you feel good about it, guys. Leone yeah. loves those bags. He loves them. Yeah. All right, everyone. Uh, that's gonna do it for us here on the show. We'll be back. Uh, I believe I'm doing a show with Bime for tomorrow. We'll have that uh, to look out for. And uh, yeah, next time you hear Pat and I will be hopefully arguing about uh, Tyson Williams versus Justice Hill in the 14th round of a main event. Let's go. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.